0: Tonight, we discuss the clues of the Orville. Then we take a look at the terminal list to begin our community watch through. Then we'll conclude tonight's show with a look at the new zombie mode. And with all the other starts right now on the right Welcome back to your Tuesday night home for Movies, Games, Shows, Books. What's funny is uh, Toyo Zapatos actually yelled at me to make sure that I remembered to turn on my sound and go figure, I forgot again. (laughs) Anyway, thank you, and and of course, uh, we are glad to have everybody here to discuss uh, what is arguably one of the greatest sci-fi shows on television. I'm sorry, there really kind of isn't an argument there, and we'll of course tell you why. But uh, gentlemen, how are how's everybody? Are We ready to we ready to talk about the Orville's finale? Absolutely, Sadly, I'm ready to rock.
1: Absolutely.
0: And of course, we are trying a new thing this week, and that is where we've decided. Uh, if you catch, caught us on casual filth over the weekend, we started simulcasting on Facebook now because I figured, why not? So uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Um, so Orville. Uh, won our hearts when it came in in 20 uh 2017 it's 2017 right same, same yeah Star Trek? okay that was eight okay was I gotta make yeah it's been so long you know <laughs> we only have three seasons and we should have like 20 by now um last week was a very um well I mean I, I predicted the it on the show that they might... real quick oh yeah go ahead
1: Good evening. I gave the old man a watch. A little predictable, but very good overall. Randy, I love videos. A lot of stuff is going to get predictable. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I do agree with that assessment. It it did
0: have its moments where you could find stuff, but, uh, eh, you know.
2: And I 100% recommend going back through the uh, previous live streams. Take a look at what we said uh, for the episodes and uh see if you agree man uh, yeah feel free to reach out uh, about that just uh you know maybe wait until after this stream
0: every uh well yeah and every everything mm-hmm. we, we talked about every episode i make sure to put in chapters so you can go back and click the ones that, that it's there and and it's very easy to just pull up those segments we, we like to make things as easy for our viewers as possible hence why we're transmitting on facebook now um uh yes the orville unfortunately came to an end last week and of course uh i uh, ended up kind of, i guess being right with one of my predictions of course i throw like 20 out there like nostradamus and eventually the law of probability works in my favor um i was very glad with what they did honestly i i, I did like your idea corion and i think that's still a good plot that they could bring up in season four um however going the more just uh lighthearted and we're just going to have a a fun family filled episode I I think was really just a good way to end it with no loose ends so to speak well except for the one that you mentioned and uh we got a good jumping off point for seasons four five six and seven
2: absolutely I mean don't get me wrong I really wish they had gone to go get Mercer's kid I really wish they had but if they weren't going to this was a fantastic Episode to do the way they did um, It had the right Mix of humor Of um, Genuine uh, Interactions And you know sense of family That you only get right now With the Orville's crew
1: Yeah That's well put I would even say it goes so far As like every episode this season is basically a feature film. And this one is basically the rom-com of the season. Yeah. And the way that it wrapped up the whole season along with the way that the episode progressed through itself, it literally took us through the whole adventure we've been on so far. It reminded us of different beats, different things that have gone on. And also like all of the progression that has occurred since episode one of season three. And not to mention just episode one, but even the red like not even the resolution, but the summation of the re- relationship since season two. Kaylon, uh not on Isaac and the Dr. Finn. And I think that like that overall closing, Without the guaranteed season four, like I really feel like I was left at a place where I could be okay with having to wait again. Just because everything that they gave us was so great that I could go back and rewatch any episode and have an enjoyable time while I wait. Which is the crazy thing that season one and two did the same thing and somehow season three comes in and just beats it out of the park. It was really fun. I, I am sad to see it go, but I am happy to see the way it left for now. Hashtag renew.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, re- renew the Orville. Uh, I'm going to put that at, at least in the uh, YouTube for now. Um, I've been. Oh, I forgot to uh, forgot to do that on Twitter today, but I'll do that later. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I go
1: ahead.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, the the way. I think that the seasons are structured with Orville is they always intend to make the season self-contained, but build on what's already happened. So if you were to watch, say, season three without having watched season two or season one, you could still probably watch it. It would still probably be watchable and very viable as a, a show in and of itself. But thankfully, they did things in such a way that for those of, you know, people who decide to sit down and watch the whole thing, you really get this beautiful tapestry story arc here. And, you know, Seth has really mastered the art of doing um, like TV as season as story, for lack of a better term. Um, He's really gotten good at it, of just giving us enough of a meta plot that we can fill in the connective tissue as needed. Once he's put all the pieces in place for us. So, I mean, you know, hats off to the master here. He's done a fantastic job, right? Uh, You know, it's something I want to see way more often.
1: Yeah, I didn't even notice that until you said it. But yes, episode one is I just dealing with his relationship to the people in the ship while also being called back by one of the Finn family clan. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the season is a slowly build to this resolution. And it's like, wow, they've been through a lot, but they're still actually caring for each other, actually doing things that like a good couple is supposed to do. They discuss their feelings and they've gotten to the point where they decided to get married. And every one of us is like, yeah, it makes sense. And, and, and even the characters in the show, like make it feel like they're approving too, even though like each one of them or not everyone, but each, some of them have chased after Dr. Finn and gotten shut down. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like really cool to see them put it all together.
2: Fair enough. And, uh, Oh, we got a, uh, message, uh, here in the fan mail. Um, uh, Glinda, that is cool. We understand you've got multiple streams juggling. Uh, We appreciate you uh, taking the time to at least drop a message in here. Um, As always, you are amazing and we appreciate
1: you and thank you for being here. Yeah,
0: absolutely. We're just grateful that you're even watching or even having us up in the background to give us that view at all.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you for the support. It really is appreciated.
0: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Love you too. Yeah.
2: So, yeah, I mean, that that's the thing I've realized, like his writing style is very much a like I've I study writing styles. We can take a look at, say, for example, JMS, who did Babylon five. who was the first guy to really put together the idea of, no, let's um, let's build this show in a serialized arc. And, you know, he did it very hard that you really had to watch the previous episodes for the new ones to make sense. But um, it seems like Seth has learned to take the the older school approach of every episode being self-contained um, and take JMS's, no, 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 every one of them should be connected. Kind of like what the last, I, I would say, two or three seasons of Deep Space Nine really did well, where you really felt like you were seeing a longer story play out as the B plot to whatever adventure of the week was going on. Everything built on everything else until it culminated in the final events. And this is something that Seth does very well. It's something Seth has done very well in a lot of the shows he's been attached to. And, uh, you know, I'm super happy to see him continue to do
1: that.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, I, and I mean, I, I'm actually, uh, working right now. I, I haven't, i putting a script together for a video project on my personal channel and I'm uh, basically going to do a side by side comparison of uh, Strange Unoriginal Retcons Season 1 versus Orville Season 3 because there are so many markers that both of those stories touch uh, that you can clearly see the the difference and yeah some people are are trying to say like I I get that some people in the Orville community don't want to Trek Bash and that's fine you're allowed to, to, to go about this how you wish. However, for me, it's not so much about Trek bashing as it is about the fact that the Orville has set the standard. Um, and, and that's been iterated by a lot of social commentators. Uh, the first one that I heard it from, of course, being uh, Doomcock. And he's right. The Orville sets the standard for sci-fi writing and uh and that's there's just no comparison and after finishing episode nine of this season i was done making excuses for for kurtzman trek i don't care anymore um we already have what we've got no amount of his retconning no amount of his uh continued cultural vandalism is going to ever change the original timeline as it is i don't care what story he tries to come up with to erase tos or whatever you can't un you, you can't uncreate what already has been created that that's you know you can destroy it so much but in the end star trek is an idea and ideas are bulletproof and seth MacFarlane has upheld the original star trek idea with season three of the orville and that's that's really the whole point of my video. It's not really just going to necessarily. I don't really care. I, we don't need to bash. We don't. We no. can simply just stand the Orville up next to to Kurtzman Trek, and and you can see, you know, Kurtzman Trek is is a hut built out of shit, whereas uh, Orville has a sturdy foundation and a strong structure all throughout. There is no point where the Orville fails. Um yep. It had. And a I co- mean, yeah. Go ahead. And I mean, just take a look at the
2: numbers right? Like, look, Orville did fantastic. I mean, typically Disney and Hulu don't totally release their numbers, but they have been for this show. So that tells you right then and there that they feel that it's been successful at the very least. Now, compare that to CBS All Access's Star Trek numbers. They're bad. They're really bad. And not only are they bad, but the entire CBS company, their stock prices are falling it, through the base. CBS
0: doesn't exist anymore because of well, it. They rebranded right. to Paramount.
2: Right. So, and it's still losing money. I mean, the the question is going to become at some point, how much money are they willing to let Kurtzman lose for them? And now that they've seen literally a show written by that dude who does family guy eat their lunch you know what are they gonna do what are they gonna say even right i mean look you you've got and and let's just be clear here right um this show also has john favano consulting on it
0: right you mean favro
2: or favro yeah favro's consulting on it and I mean, the episode before the finale was eating Star Wars' lunch. Like, you know, he's got to be sitting there going like, look, you know, I've been consulting on that family Guy show and he's kicking our butt when we release, you know, subpar stuff. You know, Orville is going to be held up, whether by the numbers, guys, or by fans, it's going to be held up as, guys, we need more of this. less of whatever the heck that is
0: yep and and it all comes down to the writing like uh, again we make it a point we're called the writer brothers for a reason because we're all brothers and we write in one form or another it's really that simple and that's the only thing that i blame in the series in star trek is the writing uh fan mail from arendi hopefully they lose enough money to let seth mcfarland buy star trek i'm pretty sure they declined an offer from him a while ago um you know yes they did yeah they, yeah they did they, they declined he pitched a he pitched a show which i guess is what the orville ended up becoming and yeah i can see your point i i've been had been uh hashtagging give seth star trek but even, and you know what? I don't even care if he's a showrunner for, for Star Trek. I just want I just know that if Seth is put in the position of executive producer for all things Trek, he will put the right people in charge of Star Trek property. Seth MacFarlane could very well easily yeah. churn all these shows around. I, I mean, Picard's setting uh, well, sail think- this time, but...
1: But I think there's an, another a thing that, that would could really benefit is rather than giving Seth McFarlane all these properties so he burns himself out trying to do what he loves. Well, well instead that's put him in a position to teach and coach all the other. People. Right. Show them Absolutely. his methods. That's so that why I'm saying.
0: Yes, that's why I'm saying. Give him Kurtzman's position. He'll put the right people in charge the right shot. I mean, why isn't the family guy guy in charge of lower decks? Explain that stupidity to me. Don't get me wrong. I like Lower Decks season two, but it's as far as a Trek show goes, it's like maybe a three out of seven for me. Um, But it's getting it has potential, and I am excited to check out season three. However, the guy who did Family Guy should clearly be the one calling the shots on a show like Lower Decks, and he'd do it so much better.
1: But especially when he pitched you a comedy Star Trek, Mm -hmm. and then you're gonna (laughs) call in some other expert in animation like and it, it's not even animation or anything like it Seth MacFarlane has not taken the time to write bad content No, and even his like lower level episodes of Family Guy it's like well yeah he wrote 24 in the span of a month while writing for all these other shows too so it's like lower rather than his best but never actually lower than a standard episode
0: yeah. and I
1: think that's something that he really really the the majority of the writing community could benefit from is a master class in his continuity process like it really does feel like he writes the whole scene st- in, in one line and then from there it breaks that one sentence that one paragraph into a series of episodes that he then writes you know an hour and a half long script for and it's now, working now real quick we don't normally do plugs this early in the show
0: but i did get a comment on the facebook video um from michael gabanik he's the uh producer of our background music and our pre-show music please check him out on spotify he goes by morality on spotify uh says i love pd york thanks buddy i love you too and i love your music um i i love putting yeah. it on our show you do need to update the tracks though it has been a minute um but yes we we do love the the stuff you've helped provide to, to help make this show pro, uh possible also check he's actually part of a, a gaming group called the hungarians they play rust uh they are like Ooh, cool. dedicated rust players that's all they play that's their thing right now and they've got a pretty big following going up but i do love uh checking in those guys stream from time to time so definitely give them a give him a, a look on facebook they, they actually only stream on facebook right now, so just something to think about, Mike. You guys want to multi-stream? I can show you how. It's actually really there easy. You go. Um, but anyway. Uh, yeah, so the I, I
2: agree, like Seth needs to teach the, the Seth McFarland method, but I think it goes further than that. Have you guys watched the Deep Space Nine documentary, What You've Left Behind?
0: What We Left Behind, yes.
2: Okay. In it, they go through the Deep Space Nine writing method how they wrote the episodes, uh, what the process was. I have a feeling Seth does something very, very similar because I don't, I seriously doubt he's written every one of those episodes just himself. He probably has a team if only to flesh out dialogue.
0: Um, but, uh, what was his name? Uh, Brandon Braga uh, wrote yeah. one, uh, wrote episode nine, actually. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Or was it? Or no, no, it was episode eight. I think either way, he did, he did write an episode this season. And Brandon Braga, for those who don't know, was also uh, um, one of the big... Uh, he was one of the big names under the Berman era of Star Trek.
2: hmm uh, And quite good, actually. He's the... If I recall correctly, he was always the quote-unquote Klingon expert. Like, anytime you were doing a Klingon episode, they brought him into primarily Helmet because that was his shtick. Um, yeah, so... The, the idea, though, of how they did it. They'd sit down and go okay, here's the idea for the episode. This is going to be the A plot. Let's get some B plot ideas, right? And then they would go, okay, how can we mesh these together? How can we make the scene transitions work so that it gives the audience the opportunity to build, like to pause and breathe long enough to get the message we're putting forward in the last section and move forward? They thought about that. They thought about where to put the brakes in. They thought about where you needed to... some levity and some humor to balance out the seriousness of some of the plots. I can't imagine Seth does anything different. I think that the difference primarily has more to do with the writers he's brought in and their attitude towards the work. To me, it always felt like the, the primary issue Star Trek was having, um, at least over the last couple of years, has been, they've kind of forgotten what the spirit, they went with the letter of what Trek is instead of the spirit of what Trek is. Cause at the end of the day, like the Orville Trek is all about optimism, right? And that hopeful view of the future, regardless of what you view that future to be, you could have hope that your idea of it was going to be possible or come to fruition in some way. And I feel like a lot of other modern sci-fi has veered away from it, but the Orville dove straight at it head first. Right. I mean, we've heard a couple of times from, from our friends. And I think from us, even that we've said like, no, if I was going to serve under a captain, I'd want to serve under Ed Mm -hmm. because, you know, he sounds like he feels like the kind of guy that I would get to have the best, you know, the best adventures with and stand the best chance of coming home again. Um, you know, and I, you know, but that, that speaks to that level of optimism, right? Like you want to be there. You want to be part of that. And, you know, when I hear somebody like when we're all talking about, you know, what fantasy worlds would we like to to live in? Right. I mean, you know, somebody will joke around going like, I want to go to Hogwarts or somebody will be like, you know, uh, I want to go visit Babylon five or I want to, you know, be on Ed's ship. You know, um, Game of Fr- Thrones fans are like, "Nah, I'm good," and you know, um, but the problem is, new Trek fans are also doing the "Nah, I'm good," right? And that's not ideal. No, it's, right? it's not.
1: And not just like it, something I just remembered is the fact that like Star Trek used to be notorious for the red shirt casualty, right? And now. As the Orville yeah. does its thing, there's almost no red shirt casualties. Also, real real like, quick, throughout we, the Orville,
0: we got a fan mail from Istra. It's a heart. Thank you, Istra. Or Isteri. Isteri. I'm going to butcher your name until I get a proper pronunciation figured out. I'm going to guess it's Istaria or Isteria.
2: Well, Both we love cool. you too.
0: And if it's Even all lowercase, maybe it's Listeria ah it's star yeah right hey,
2: sometimes you know <laughs> a broken clock gets stuff right too so you know uh and yeah we we love you too and thank you so much for being here and watching with us
0: yes we we appreciate the the support and you know we and yeah whatever whatever you're comfortable with you want to listen to us bs the whole time i mean that's going to happen regardless but <laughs> obviously we we uh we love. Uh, we do encourage participation. I mean, that's what we're starting with Terminalist, but more on that. Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. Well, thank you. Like no. you. No. Oh, oh, uh <laughs> fan again. Lol, thank you. No problem. I love this podcast. That that actually that's, a lot to hear. That. Thank yeah. you.
2: You know, it, it, it may it may seem impossible, but Petey's heart actually grew two sizes. Shut like up. <laughs> And there we go. Now it's back down you to you Yeah, it's back to proper size exactly. <laughs>
0: uh, but you know what? Oh um, crap. <laughs> um you got to watch that, man. Yeah, can't yeah, can't, um, can't be That's a new one from or no, I haven't done that in a while. Hey, so you know when you when you to try to constraint. You know when you try to inhale water, uh, for some yeah, reason don't do that. I decided to send it out my nose. I haven't yeah, done I that mean, since I was like 5.
2: As much as a ratings boon might be of you drowning on air, I'd rather not do it. <laughs> on top of that, let, on top of that, let's be honest: your old Coast Guard buddies would never let you live it down if you drowned on live YouTube. Yeah, but I'd yeah, already we, dead.
1: So bring them. Well, no, we'd just bring them on in your spot every week <laughs> yeah. just to roast yeah. you at the beginning. Uh,
0: Mikey, you still it, watching? Looks like you gotta. Looks like you got a, Got a potential. It, It'll slot to be famous. And dude, don't worry. If your
2: friends were going to roast you for drowning on, on YouTube, I'd bring you back just so you could hear it.
0: <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that.
2: Right so yeah, anytime anytime yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah see this is why i love this show we just interrupt our own discussion with with fan letters and then jokes and then we forget where we're at which is hey you know what
2: well we should probably cover a little bit about the plot of the episode
0: right so the plot of uh of the series uh it's okay <laughs> watch your season finale PD. season yeah. finale season three of 20 um finale of the orville uh basically it really is just a it, it basically is a B plot the whole time um a lot of the a lot of the plot so my my I do actually have a gripe about this one I was disappointed with Bortis's, uh Elvis performance. I was hoping that by the end there would have at least been Gordon giving him an at least you tried cake like hey you know what you, you really get into it and instead it was very. It kind of mirrors the same issue I've had with the mocklins this season and that they've kind of been taken as a potentially mysterious and, and uh, uh, race that has a lot more depth hidden and just kind of get pancaked into one dimension. So hopefully Season 4 will bring some more nuance to the mocklins because I really love what... Because we actually did see nuance with the Machlins. We just saw nuance with the mocklins who don't live on Moklins. That's the one... That's, that's the downside. But overall, it was still... Hilarious all the way through. It had good moments. Um, Bortus's cringe toast was very reminiscent of the worst episodes of The Office. I loved to hate every minute of it. Um, it was really just Michael really Scott, good at being... Was... Oh yeah, the total Michael Scott toast. Holy crap.
1: Um, and, you Michael know, Scott toast and, after the wheelchair incident.
0: Yeah. Exactly. He just and our, and,
1: stands up there and steals in my moment.
2: And, and as Ardenny pointed out, you know the sandwich returned.
0: Yes. We had our time traveling sandwich All was day. finally home. There's a lot more involved with how that would have worked seeing as I guess the see that that's the other thing about the device. well no that makes sense because when Gordon got sent back he somehow ended up on Earth. So it is a transport time device. It doesn't just do time travel or I'm sorry it did. Rest in peace our enough device.
1: Wait. Uh <laughs> they don't have they don't have the beaming technology yet do they
0: no they don't
1: no they do not if so they even if do if it's even possible in that universe precursor to that tech well that's that's what i'm thinking is that was a display of the first taste of that technology
0: uh fan mail from nemesis of eden hope everyone is having a wonderful day well nemesis of eden i'm here to talk about the orville with you and everybody else i'm having a great day yeah
2: and honestly um, so long as you guys in the chat are having a great time, I'm
0: having a great time. That's what we're here to try and help. And you. I'm
1: just gonna have a good time regardless of what you guys are doing. I'm just happy to be here.
2: <laughs> but yeah, so the 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 B plot that is the A plot of this episode is the 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 android Isaac and Doctor Finn are getting married, and they're going through all the traditional human, um, wedding rituals, um, except that, you know, not everyone on the ship is human. So the inner, the cross-cultural foibles really come into play here. Um, for example, when Isaac found out it was traditional to invite his family, he invited every single member of his species (laughs) to the wedding.
0: I, I was on, I was on the edge of my seat for that. And I was on the edge of my seat for that because I was worried that this was that, because when he said that, yeah, we'll leave a skeleton contingent behind and bring all the units. And I'm like, Oh crap. This is going to be the moment where the, the krill are going to take advantage. They're going to destroy Kaylon. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to, and this is where the Alliance is going to fall apart because they're going to think the whole wedding was a trap and it's just the end of the season's going to end all bad. And, and then it didn't i was happy about that
2: although i don't think I you've ever was seen just so many great
1: how that k1s went off about are they imprisoning you yes! no no <laughs> well kind of
0: <laughs> well she's going to be my wife you know it's it's a two way prison world's smallest handcuffs <laughs>
2: Oh, uh, uh, sorry. But, I
0: shouldn't say world's smallest handcuffs. It's the entire galaxy's smallest handcuffs now.
2: Haha. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, the the look on everyone's face when every single Kalon warship s- showed up at the same time, and there's this poor little Orville sitting there surrounded by an entire armada, was just great. Like everyone's like, "Well, we're dead." Okay this is a
1: difference between the orville solo and the entire fleet command yep. in that like flower formation <laughs> yep it's like oh this is how they could have won yeah
2: uh it, it it was absolutely perfect um you know the the wedding ceremony itself was quite beautiful it was quite moving it it really made you feel like you've been watching this relationship progress the entire time and that you were getting a payoff of the Isaac Finn relationship. Um, uh, I also was never, yeah, uh, one, one piece. I was also never, never quite as terrified as Dr. Finn. When Dr. Finn goes after Lamar. (laughs) Yeah. That, that was perfectly done, perfectly done.
1: Yes. <laughs> I love that this is one of the first times where we get to fall in love with a cyborg who has an actually dark history that is also not exactly connected to that history because he's a second generation after the k War. And so like we get to fall in love with the naive AI but then also one of the characters does, and by season three they're married, rather than like Data where it's like, which one is he gonna marry? Or they just going at the very end. Like, there's so many different people that try to fall in love with Data, and it's like, okay, this is really hard to follow. love. doesn't work. And with Isaac, it did work. Like, and it explained it in the like in terms of the universe. Like, he doesn't love, but because he's had so many daily interactions with Dr. Finn, eliminating her from his life messes up his life. Like that's part of marriage that a lot of people never talk about is like, there's a lot of things that you benefit from, you know, in terms of being able to rely on them to do things you don't want to do in that moment, that kind of stuff. And that's what Isaac demonstrated in season two. And then when Claire was like scared for her boys who is there Isaac and how did Isaac react no that's my job that's what I do and Claire's like wait you do that for us like you keep calling us lower left individuals and he's like yeah but you belong here like I'm smarter than you but I still think you should be here too
2: yeah Oh, uh, we got a little bit of fan mail uh, from uh, Estara I'd marry data eek 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 um, listen if your Android is, is squeaking because of friction I do recommend a, a good You know oil regimen wd-40 yep uh (laughs) you know uh you gotta you gotta keep them from squeaking uh you know uh unless that's your thing and if if that's your thing uh you know hey you do you uh you
1: know it'd drive me bonkers if i had to listen to gears every time they got out of bed. i'd be like all right dude oil now go yeah
2: yeah hard coil uh you know like let's let's go visit moss eisley you need an oil bath uh you know
0: <laughs> yeah exactly. well and who you knows? At quantum speeds you could probably get there in under 100 years um there you go yeah it, it was it was just a great send-off uh and hopefully just a send-off for the season not for the show um i do appreciate seth deciding to instead of playing the old dirty trick of uh, I'm gonna do a cliffhanger, then they'll have to renew. Uh, no. No, they don't. Um, he, he played to his strengths and decided to run with the uncertainty and, I mean, uh, you know, through the subliminal messaging of calling the episode Future Unknown and then, of course, having some renewal at the beginning of the episode. He wasn't trying to say anything that, uh, renew the Orville, damn it! Um. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a great it's great. We have three seasons of of just awesome, you know, near perfection overall. Um, yep. So, so yeah, I think uh, I think we we'll probably reach the time now to go around the room and give our uh, our rating on our seven point scale. Um, well, we'll start with the episode, then we'll do the series. So, Cory, why don't you start us off? What do you What do you rate this episode as? So,
2: I would say the episode. Um, I'm going to give it my very rare seven out of seven. Um, If only because this was probably the absolute best way they could have ended the season and still left just a little couple of pieces for us to want another season to wrap those pieces up with.
0: And real quick... fan mail from nemesis of eden i'm out jogging i'm gonna lurk well we greatly appreciate that uh, that that's awesome we're glad that yeah. that you're you have us in your ear while you're out running around that's that's fantastic
2: yep if anything will make you run it'll be listening to us so, right yeah uh, run, faster. run
0: faster run <laughs> faster you can't get us. you can't go, go, escape go. my voice well, <laughs> I mean, you can, but please don't escape my voice
1: uh. <laughs> They're right behind you. Don't turn around.
0: Wait, I need the watch time. Come back. I was kidding.
2: (laughs) So, yeah. um, I I think that uh, for the season, I would give it a six. Um, I do think there were pieces that, I mean, you know, are more my nitpicks than anything else. (laughs) Episode two. Sorry. Uh, You feel that way about episode two. (laughs) I know. I I actually feel that way about episode three. So there are bits and pieces that I feel could have been done better, but overall it's a fantastic watch. It's completely worth watching. Give it multiple rewatches so that, you know, the, their corporate overlords, see how much we care about this
0: series. Yeah. It's hitting care
2: much this season and get more.
0: It's hitting Disney plus tomorrow. Sorry. Uh, it's hitting Disney Plus tomorrow. So, yes, if you have access and you can can make the time, absolutely please get those watches and get those views in every every seat just like on this show. Every single view counts. Every single minute of watch is going to go because here's the thing. Disney uh clearly is struggling with some of its other properties. And we're not going to get into that on this episode, but it's pretty obvious it's- that there's a divide
1: Uh, Well, here, I can, I can spell it out from a marketing perspective. It's literally about the amount of eyes, influence, and in terms of how often did you put your eyes on it? And now they aren't legally allowed to record through your camera without your consent. So they have to assume that if it's playing, those are people investing their time because like we all know the age-old adage from spongebob time is money and in that in in that essence that may mean you can earn money or you can spend money but from a producer's perspective from somebody who's producing a product it's the time you spend with that product that shows the value of the product because that's what they take to the next party that's what they take when they're trying to produce their next big thing so by taking the time to rewatch even though we just finished it you're doing something for someone you actually care about and if you don't care like that's how you show it you just don't watch it in two places but if you do like us and like i'm going to to show my support for the show the only way i can because i'm a poor person is by watching it again on disney plus and that's just what it is they literally need the number of times it was viewed and pauses and repauses and plays those counts as multiple views because that means you saw the title of it again and go oh yeah i meant to finish that and that's like oh that's two views because the first time you watched it you got busy but you came back because you weren't bored and yeah. that tells them like that's a product worth reproducing like yeah consumers matter
2: you really yeah I, I i would also say too that uh you know, the Disney corporate overlords do pay attention to what we do on YouTube and in videos like this. So, you know, a oh, wise and powerful, you know, mouse overlords. Um, we know you watch us and we uh, okay, just want you to okay, know.
0: Okay, okay take the, t- 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 just get the balls out of your mouth. Man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to say, uh, you know, uh, we it's okay, want okay to you tickle to know, a little
0: bit, but Jesus, dude, not I'm on the show. Uh,
2: fair enough. But I want you all to know, hey man, we really want the Orville. We want more of this. Put
0: your money here, because right. we will make it worth your while. And that's and that's what I'm trying to say, you know. In, in bringing up Kurtzman Trek and the compare and contrast again, that there's a clear, dif- dif- clear difference, and there's clearly one product that is going to win and make you lots of money. Like, like there's why there isn't Orville merchandise. Let, let me put it to you like this, Disney. You know what? Why you guys hold a second? I'm going to grab something real quick and to make my point sure. visually.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to models and stuff like that, I mean, I know Eagle Moss put out a model of the Orville, um, you know, and that's a really great thing. But I mean, I, I, I've been seeing more and more people cosplaying playing for Orville than I thought was sane. And, you know, you guys have a certifiable hit with the fans on your hands. I-
1: not just a certifiable hit in terms of like it's perfectly good writing it's everything that every writer can actually like enjoy and accept as good writing especially when you compare to contrast to all other titles in the genre it stacks with everything good and it stacks way above everything bad and in that essence it also tracks in everything fashionable I would much rather wear an Orville uniform than I would ever wear any year of Star Trek. All of their uniforms, except for the most recent ones where they have the like sweater, they have jumpsuits and band uniforms and I am not doing that again. But even the sweater, I'm like, I can just buy a sweater and put a medallion on it. But that Orville jacket, I would spend money for the Orville edition so that i could like rep the orville because hey it looks like a really nice biker jacket like it looks like if you put a padding in it you could save some lives on some bikes yeah and be it those slacks look comfortable they look just like my lulus yeah like that's quality. so so i would like
0: to show you guys this is uh it's getting a little more personal than i probably should on the internet but whatever this right here is my old port of subs kids meal box now port of subs is a sandwich chain which uh you have to try at least once in your life uh, but more on that later now this box i have had since i was a small kid here is what i have inside this box let's see if i can find a good one it is of course my entire star trek Micro machine collection. These are all little dot little, uh, uh, little, little tiny ships. plastic. Yeah. I made this one because some of them broke. So I, uh, I just decided to glue them all together as like a, these are not the scale of course, because that's the Vulcan shuttle, which is now acting as giant artillery. I made my own little frigate, but these are all tiny little fun ships. I used to play with all the time when I was a kid, emphasis on the used to, um, and I, I like to take these out from time to time. And, and oh yeah, like, what else I keep in here? Oh, look at that, Star Trek Tom badges. And, and of course, the uh, my favorite one that does need a little bit of a cleaning, my Wrath of Con badge. Okay, why am I bringing my toys out to show you? Because if the Orville puts things out like this, if we get micro machines or something similar, like these Star Trek ships, little Maquis Raider there, um, I will buy them. Oh, oh, here's the cool one. This is the one John and everybody liked to go and lose when I was a kid, too. See, it's the Enterprise D matches. Um, John, you remember breaking some of these, don't you?
1: Yeah, my son broke one, too, at Grandpa's house.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Um, one of
1: the ornaments.
0: Yeah, and then my DS9. Oh, nice and battle 9 Yeah. There you go. My point in bringing these out is... Uh, you know, I'll do the dreadnought one more time. Again... You give me Orville merchandise, you give me Krill ships, you give me Union ships, um, you, you put a box available for a reasonable price, I'm gonna buy them. You give me the uh the badges you it
1: with Lego. If y- you, you partner give me with Lego, view.
0: oh yeah, I'll be all over that.
2: Listen, you, you give me that the hand um a blaster there with like a recording of Isaac, like a setting on it for a recording of Isaac just saying pew pew, I will buy the heck out of that.
1: Like I will buy them for an entire child's birthday party and yeah. then not give them to any of the children.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, these are definitely, uh, th- these
0: are, th- th- these, yeah, I might share, like, one with any future children I may or may not have, but even then, it's going to be on a loan basis. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, like,
2: honestly, the only reason why I can't see you guys not wanting to put out merch for this show is is because you're too worried that we will just mob Seth to get it all signed and frankly that's a great problem to have that,
0: that is
1: a that is a fair that's concern really fair. yeah well I mean but also that's where Comic Con came from like people yeah. wanted to get their stuff signed and like a lot of people I know think that it's mostly about reselling it for memorabilia collectors and stuff like that but like I used this to get gonna be every very hard single not football big. players signature I used to do it every football game that i could only because it was just fun to go up and see the players up close and personal like i don't ever know where any of that memorabilia went i don't even think most of those players ever left boise idaho because it's hard Mm -hmm. but like the signature stuff it was fun and it would be really nice to be able to show physical support for the orville in the form and fashion yeah that's like for comic-con like an isaac outfit would blow me away i would yeah. wear it all the time it'd and, be hilarious and disney
0: execs we we all know that you guys love our money and and you know i i don't really like hold, giving hold on my money one
2: second guys you. hold on one
0: second gone for you or because i mean we got a show going we kind of have to keep the dialogue especially since we're a podcast
1: yes, we're on hold at moment of silence no. for corian's disappearance
2: uh that an is- isaac
0: face mask you say <laughs> yeah i got a better view of the inside of your house um yeah there you go uh, <laughs> there you go so no
2: i'm i'm actually working on an isaac cosplay because uh, i That's think that so needs crazy. to happen
0: yeah it it does and and that's just it too is you give us those those you give us access to uniform props and stuff like okay you got a bunch of legacy star trek fans who are pissed off that 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 star trek isn't as good as it's supposed to be that will will flock to your conventions they will buy your merchandise they they, we we love geeking out and and buying this stuff it's fun it's it's part of the experience it's when we can create our own adventures Oh, I, I, I would even go 100%. so far as to
1: say that 80% of all of the other if I, diehards, 80% of each diehard is going to also be an Orville diehard. Because like while Disney and while Seth MacFarlane can only get out there and produce one series, I've watched all of them yeah. again this year. Yeah. So and, like, I can enjoy and own multiple memorabilia items. Yeah. and of course, at the uh, same time.
0: Yeah, pardon the nuclear weapon going off just now. Uh, that would be uh, H. Marie walking in the door.
2: Ah, oh, good. Yeah. But yeah. Um, honestly, the, you know, we we could use the merch. Like, I want a Kelly and Ed, you know, uh, marriage spat play set like i'll buy it you know like
0: yeah fan fan mail from Galinda. uh i spend money on merch look over at new vegas ranger helmet and t51 power armor helmet on my shelf nice wait
2: nice fallout gear those are good choices yeah i um you guys can't actually i guess you could maybe have seen it while i was wearing the mirrored mask but all around me, um, except for you know, back into the occult library here, um, it's all Transformers memorabilia. Well, and a chainsaw signed by Bruce Campbell, right? Um, what? I have
0: a chainsaw signed I by Bruce. Camp- Bruce oh, okay, Campbell. okay, okay. But I want to like—is it a functioning chainsaw or a prop? Do you want to see it? Yes. Uh, you, yes. Bruce Campbell and yes. chainsaw in the same sentence, Corey. Oh, what the? Oh just now finding out about this
1: yeah so he's he's one of my favorite characters on burn notice
2: long and short of it is I went to a Bruce Campbell book signing in Toronto
1: okay
2: Uh, I was gonna say how the hell did you get a
0: chainsaw into a convention
2: well and while I was at the the book signing um, you know I had the book and I've got this chainsaw in a bag and uh, I literally said excuse me Mr. Campbell would you mind signing my chainsaw which is probably the Just weirdest thing the i've ever said to a ce- uh, to a celebrity. And of course, the two security guards on either side are kind of giving this look like, well, we're about to have to bust ahead. But behold.
0: Okay, it's a little torn. Uh, it's right. a little Home Depot chainsaw. No, no, one. that's 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 exact. I'm sure he was excited for that cuz that's that's oh, perfect. He, he uh, was
1: laughing I his, think it his face be off. So the whole much time. funnier if it was one of the like dual ones. <laughs> it it
2: would have been great Uh, I was really tempted to before I went and got it uh, repaint it to an s marked chainsaw
1: (laughs) just be wearing the same outfit Dwight was wearing when he tried to buy the figurine from the office just covered in beet juice right carrying a chainsaw do you mind signing this you're my favorite author slash actor
2: yeah no um, but yeah, I thought it was great, and I've got a, a couple of great books signed by by Bruce Campbell. Um, I'm thinking at some point I'm going to have to get his uh, Pizza Papa uh, figure and get him to sign that as well, because that was just that was a hilarious little moment. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, but this is the point. We collect all kinds of bizarre, random stuff from the things we love. And we don't get rid of them. We don't resell them for the most part. We keep them because they remind us of how much joy these things have brought to us. And getting it signed is like a badge an of excuse honor. Used
1: to bring it up. Yeah, yeah. Getting it signed is absolutely a badge of honor, but also like one of the hardest things I've learned about like being an adult in the real world is like you don't get to talk about your favorite things to all the kids in your class anymore. So like when new people come over, they have no idea what your favorite things are. Mm -hmm. But if you have these micro machines, you have the memorabilia, you have it posted up. It's like I can now have people be like, oh, what's this? I've never heard of the Orville. Let me tell you, you know, that's how those conversations start. It's called word of mouth advertising. Oh, yeah. And
2: uh, Galinda's got some fan mail for us. Fan is supposedly short for fanatic.
0: I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think we are, too. Also, in her as opinion, long as
2: it's the healthy fanatic.
0: Yeah, I agree. Right? And uh, in her opinion, apparently New Vegas is the Deep Space Nine of the Fallout franchise. Well, that gives me a, I may have to try it out.
2: I would argue oh, it probably is. That. But if you are not, if you haven't played any of the Fallout games, I recommend at least Going through a couple of let's plays of the first couple of games, okay. so you get a general feel for the world before you step into New Vegas. That's I mean, I've, f- I've kind better, of always
1: even better. Fallout Four is on Game Pass. True. Have True. some fun with it. It has tons of really fun mods, so you can go from like however bad it was at the beginning and just soup that up right away before you even hit play on the first scene, mm-hmm. and it works. It's yep. really good. It's really fun. And then go back to Vegas. Vegas has all of the the mods as well, but it's a smaller, less open world game. Yeah.
0: See, yeah. I even have obscure ships to continue, Ooh. you know, hammering the merchandise. This showed up in one whole episode and I have it. Okay. Yeah. Again. The, the medical ship. Yes. Yeah. yeah the the, the past steward, which now has a tier six version in Star Trek online. Um. So, oh yeah. And I, of course, how could we forget? Now these are not to scale. That's the one bummer side is that they're all the same size, but uh, you know it it gives you actually these two are nice. Uh, But yeah, no, I mean if you give us Orville merchandise, you will not regret it, Disney, and that's why we want a season four. We, We at least want seven seasons. That's a standard. Star Trek 7. Uh, fan mail from Galinda. Oh yeah, definitely watch some Let's Plays of the older ones, and Fallout 4 has the best bond. Mm-hmm. Alright, so we were conti- we were starting, and we need to wrap this up, so we're going to move on to our next segment. Um, John, episode rating and season overall?
1: Uh, it's a 7 out of 7 for me. A+. I, I think a lot of people hold the whole 10 out of 10 thing in this high regard. I think A+, should be attainable. A C is the standard, and an A plus is the goal, and I think this show knocked it out of the park. While there are tons of things that we can have problems with, I don't doubt that they are just the tendrils that will make up season five, season four, season six, because everything, like if we had tried to watch season one the way we just watched season three, I bet you we would have all those same complaints at the end of season one and at the end of season two. And yet season three comes in and starts pulling on some of those loose threads and suddenly season three is a masterpiece. Just like season one, just like season two. So I think the A plus comes back three seasons in a row of A pluses. Go for it. Like whatever you like for me, the the season two or episode two, the the, the empty space, that's the most terrifying part of space and no sci-fi aside from like the ones trying to scare you seem to really play a lot into it and so now there's this whole other realm within the universe that we can go visit and i want to see more i'm excited for that kind of stuff yep
0: fan mail from glinda orville orville is amazing and new horizons is an incredible season by the way uh listeners uh in the chat if you guys want to give your personal rating please do we can read it out real quick before we move on to terminal list um yeah for me uh it's it's the show as a whole all three seasons considered is definitely a seven and it's because of the things that i dislike that i still give it such high praise now that said for me, the episode gets a six out of seven for the issues I have with Bordas not not being given a, you know any kind of... It was just... The whole Elvis scene was awkward. The awkwardness worked for me on the champagne, uh, on the toast, but it just... It failed on... A, it fell on its face for me when it came to the, the episode, when it came to the Elvis thing. It just, I, I, could see, I could see the direction they tried, and it just didn't work for me. Uh, that said, other people might like it. It might find it funny. I... I i kind of did but i was like nah it should have been more of a uh all right Bordis, you tried this was funny it was great and then we get the toast and it's like okay we're back to awkward Bordis. instead we just had awkward Bordis throughout the whole True. episode and i didn't like that um but hats off to supportive clyden <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's compensating for not being there uh so uh yeah it, it was good it was uh it was still good and the season overall again gets a six out of seven because like i said there were certain things that it missed the mark with me but as far as a whole show goes i would absolutely well i'm probably am gonna uh try watching it again on d plus in the near future and it's you know not just because a desperate watch re-watch to try and get the show boosted but honestly again disney if you're listening and you should be i'm gonna watch it again because i want to the same reason that I like watching Firefly. The same reason that I like watching Deep Space Nine. For the same reason I like, you know, I'll screw it. I'll throw King of the Hill in there. It's good. Yeah. It's enjoyable. It's it's quality. Oh. Um, Glenda, fan mail. I liked Isaac inviting all the Kalons to the wedding better than the Elvis thing. Yes, I, I yes. completely agree. That, that, Like I said, the, the Kalon leaving had me on edge. It's like, oh, oh, are we going to get the rug pulled out? Are we going to get a bad cliffhanger? Mm-hmm. And, uh, fan mail says, I agree with PDY, smart man or woman, um, or however you identify seven for the season six for the finale. Cringe can be okay, but that was a bit too much. Yes. That's that's yep. You rephrased exactly what I said perfectly. Um, and I actually mean that genuinely. I just realized that could have come off as cynicism and I'm sorry. That's not how I meant to sound. I, I really, I really do appreciate when people agree with me. It makes the conversation move on to the next thing. So, uh, I think we've covered all the stuff that we have for today. Uh, go oh. away now. Oh, wait, sorry, that's not our thing. No, uh, let's start
2: on the terminal list, man. <laughs> it's uh... yeah.
0: I, I, I gotta, I gotta get it set up. I gotta do the thing and let's see. Small and then uh, off. I think we're set. Oh, I actually do need to put. So uh, the terminal list came out. July first and I had no idea what it was about. And so I was very excited when John said, Hey, we gotta cover this and there was a book attached and apparently the author is was involved with a lot of the consulting on the project. As an Which aspiring is a good sign. As an aspiring and struggling author myself, oh, Arendi said the Kalon fleet did make me laugh. Yes, uh, that's that, yeah, exactly. By the Uh, end I was very happy with all the jokes. All right, moving on. Old
1: conversation, I'm over.
0: Yeah, old news, Arendi. Like, 20 years ago, (laughs) come back in time and try again. No. uh, We do, like I said. Um, Back to Terminals. Hey,
2: you be nice to Arendi. Arendi's (laughs) nice to us.
0: I know. I'm being nice. I'm just being nice in my ball-busting way of being nice. (laughs) If I so, don't make fun of you, it means I don't like you. Uh fair. No, but I, I get it. With with it, There is a couple of degrees of separation, and I do want to make sure, like, Randy, if, if I do any time I overstep, and this goes for anybody at any point in time, if you feel I've overstepped, fine. Say so. We can talk it out like like reasonable people and go from there. Um, My, my worldview is not the correct worldview. I know, surprise, to hear someone actually say that. Uh, so what I might find funny, you might not. And that's okay. We can, we can, we can get past it. We can move forward. We can, we can figure out what works best for everybody. And what works best for me is that the, is the Terminal List. Um, this is going to be one of the few times where, if you decide to watch this show before reading the book, might not be a terrible idea. Um, I started reading the book. I haven't finished it yet. I'm going to finish this week i i really uh, right out of the gate that thing takes off it's good pacing while i also listen to it on double speed um it's it's a solid piece of entertainment so far the show i do want to make clear that what i'm about to do dis- when i discuss what i don't like it's not because the show itself is bad i want to make perfectly clear the show is good in its own right there's just stuff that it misses from the book that i thought would have been better that said, let's go around the room. Corion, what did you not like about Episode 1 and 2 of The Terminal List, if anything?
2: Well, okay, so we know uh, a little bit about the plot so far. Like we, we've determined that they were this was a SEAL team. They were on a mission that went completely south. And when he comes back, the information that the military is presenting him about the mission it does not mesh with his memories. The problem is we don't actually know if his memories are genuine or not, because they make it very clear that he's got some sort of concussion problem or something along those lines. And to be honest, I am OK with an episode or two of, well, you know, we're not sure whether this is, you know, they actually are out to get him or it's all in his thought, his, um, you know, in his head. But that's about all I'm willing to do. I am not willing to sit there the entire season going, well, is it ninjas or is it hallucinatory ninjas? Uh, I I need something a little more concrete than that. I need to know what's going on. I don't care if it's something stupidly outrageous like aliens implanted memories. It doesn't matter to me, but I need to have a general idea. Even if the character doesn't know, we as the audience should know whether what he's seeing is genuine or not. Yeah. Uh, we do that, have a, that's how I feel.
0: We, yeah. We do have to break a uh, conversation real quick. Uh, Randy fan mail says, I do find the whole uh, ridiculously size number pronoun identify as ludicrous. The answer is usually Apache attack helicopter just to get a kick out of the reaction. Funny enough, Aaron uh, I maybe you're just me from the future because that's how I used to identify for a while Uh, kind of as sort of my response to that uh that said however john has it on the banner right there we are about restoring respect and discourse and we don't want people who uh i identify as a galinda says galinda uh we are all about having fun and making jokes but we also want to make sure that people understand that that if you do feel a certain way and it's important to you we will try to do our best to be respectful um yes i believe that humor is the cure to all of our social problems because if we can all learn to laugh at each other then we don't really have any conflicts that much and i think that's something we do to get back to at the same time though we also have to be respectful of other people's uh where they're at in life um mm-hmm. people go through phases maybe someone does need to identify as five different genders at one time to get through whatever it is they're getting through in life there's any number of reasons for it um, sorry to get a little serious here. I, myself, have researched the whole uh, gender dysphoria as an example, and it is a real thing that people do struggle with, and I would rather try and help those people to get through those situations. And so that's why I want to make sure that when we miss the mark with the jokes, it's not because we are trying to be mean at all. I'm not going to censor anybody. I also want to make that perfectly clear. The restoring respect into discourse means, corey o, you've said it best. Yeah. means listening to people and... Yeah. So yeah, but thanks for, thanks for the clarification, uh, attack helicopter. Uh, that, there's actually a funny meme though, uh, that came with that, that I really liked. Um, it was the Jordan Peele sweating and someone said, you know, when you identify as an attack helicopter, but world war three is about to start. Yeah. <laughs> so you're getting well, called into service in the battle.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, and I'm going to say this right now to, to everybody look, if you feel a certain way and you would like to be identified a way and I haven't immediately you know intuited what that identification is look just pull me aside and let me know exactly and I will 100% respect it and please all I ask in exchange is understand that currently I am still human Um, and you know until I ascend to godhood and know all I can't necessarily know all and Sometimes I need to get the information in order to, to get it correct, and if I get it wrong, hey, I'll freely admit I sometimes get it wrong. But if you just give me the info I need to make it right, I will do my best to do so.
0: Yep. Moving back on to uh, to the discussion. Yeah, so, so let's,
2: let, let let's get into seals beating up on on spec on spooks and and so forth.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, John, what what did you not like about Journalist episode one and two, if anything?
1: Oh, I, I, I'll save my comments for the general discussion. As I've stated many times before, I uh, watch everything as soon as it becomes available. And I only recommended this show and then basically demanded that it be our next subject of discussion because yeah, this show just, it only goes up and up and up and up. So like everything you don't like about episode one. Yep. And as yeah, a better, and, and for result, the record, I did appreciate that's the, bride the terrifying job. part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And as a as a reminder to those listening and to those uh, those of you that that are whether it's on the replay or live, um, this is basically our community watch through show. We are going to be doing a, a, one episode a week, starting this next week. So we just did one and two. So if you haven't quite seen it yet, maybe we could persuade you into trying. And like I said, definitely give the book a read. So the reason why we have the I what we did not like is because I did start the book and I have things about the show's adaptation that I do not like. And so I'm just going to go ahead and get into those because, again, I haven't read the book, so I'm not going to spoil any major ending spoilers. because I don't know any yet. Um, so to get into it, I uh, there. So some of the sequences in the book, I think, should have been uh, put back into the show. One of the biggest ones is the way that his that his wife and daughter get uh, taken out, uh, which spoilers, guys. His wife and daughter die, but it is a big part of the. It's not a huge. If if you knew nothing about Terminalist, well, now you do. Sorry, um, but as I said, this is a comparison discussion anyway. So this the way they do it in the book is they do the whole operation. It goes south, and he's going back home. And he goes and he gets checked out by medical. But then he goes to, he, he's not quite ready. He, by the time he starts buzz, going buzz, home.
1: Buzz, 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 buzz. I'm going to call a whole pause on this whole conversation. You're about to ruin the rest of the season. How? <laughs> I'm not going to ruin this while telling you how you're about to ruin it. Hey, within, Everything with... you want, it just comes in a different order. Oh, it's so you have read the book. really good. The, no, I have not read the book. But oh. every, like, I was waiting for you to start getting close, and then you started treading on episode three and four. Like, you're knocking on the doors of episode three and four, and that is why I'm like, no, nope, pause it. I, I guess. Your frustration with the show. No, I'm serious. Like the, 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 When I say it resolves itself, like, there's the plot line of the actual legal case against the main character about him being a potential PTSD vet gone crazy, right? So there is a legal case going on. Then there is the journalism, investigative journalism being done by the journalist who's like trying to figure out a bigger scheme that plays into the whole plot of the story. And then there's the main character living his life despite all of this stuff that's going on around him. And he has no idea white any of it's happening and I think the show especially in the first two episodes does a wonderful wonderful adaptation of Cory and you're like I don't even know if he's gonna fight mm-hmm. like, I'm not
0: going to touch on that but, part but, that's not what I no, was getting no, at
1: but, I was no, going to leave that alone the death, the death comes back in more episodes the, the, it, as that season goes on not only do you get to know the daughter and the wife you already watch them die and now you're getting to know their backstory. Right. So and that's the, the point I'm getting more... to is,
0: is the sequence where well, no, they die so, in the book so... is drastically different. And I thought it was executed better.
1: Um, right. It, and what I'm saying is, is they actually, I'm if it's the way that I think it went and I don't want okay. you to get into it because I'm going right, to, I'm going sure to start, you know what? Let me, let me start on th- as a flashback in later. Let me episode.
0: start on some of the other brief parts. Why don't you, uh, why don't you hit me up on backstage chat? And what you think I'm gonna say, and we'll go from there. And and so, well, a couple of the one of the major issues I have is the fact that he's got a massive arsenal of guns, all, most of which are illegal in California. And uh, you know, his military buddies are like cool with it. That is uh, that is not how the military works at all. The military is extremely uh strict about following local ordinance. There, there is like that is there's a whole thing with training. Um there's a whole thing with training about when you 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 are required to know the local laws because the UCMJ is not gonna save your ass. It's not designed to do that. It's designed to throw the book at you. And and so having illegal guns in california and and superiors especially in cis investigators knowing that, that's just not something they're like yeah whatever yeah it'll be fine who cares um my other big gripe and issue wait, was when he's example
1: we didn't see that the guns were uh, unless like if i'm wrong i don't remember seeing any actually for sure machine guns uh he's just got a lot of lookalike
0: what looks like an m14 He's got it mounted in his garage and yes i got excited and brought mine out because i enjoyed seeing all the he's got one of these and it's mounted in his garage um now if it's an m1a he might be okay because of the uh stock being part of the yeah i just prop right don't here? remember because that... of the stock being this way that's this is california compliant but if it's an m14 that's a fully automatic rifle that is that is absolutely no <laughs> That'll get you uh, thrown yeah. in California special prison. Uh, yeah, I don't so, know so I've,
2: one. I, I've got a little bit of a story here for you because um, my dad used to serve with a guy who, who did not um, understand the concept that it's far worse to deal with military police than civilian. Um, They were at a, a let's just say, a, a regimental celebration. Uh, ...with beverages of a refreshing nature. And uh, there may have been significant consumption of of such beverages. And when a a police officer started throwing around crazy terms like drunken disorderly... ...this person informed him that he could not be arrested by civilian authorities... ...because he was military. So the local constabulary, upon realizing technically he was correct contacted the military police. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a person, um, you know, a, a, guy who, you know, could do a fairly decent impression of a gorilla, um, suddenly get about, you know, two feet shorter, uh, hand, hat in hands, apologizing to the police officer for wasting his time, uh, in such a, a, a meek and mild fashion immediately following, so yeah. Military people are smarter than than to to screw around with local laws.
1: It,
2: you know, it, it's just it, it doesn't happen that way.
0: Yeah. So it it's it's the yeah. So it's that the fact. And then when they're sitting on this, when he's sitting on the sailboat with with the other uh, with the other uh, former Navy Seal, and he's playing with his pistol on the deck in a marina in California, possibly on a military. But I'm just like. The, Guys, you took way too. He, he, this is not. Uh, you could have. You should have been inside the cab. No, no sane, law-abiding gun look, owner look, plays with that, guns out in the open that, like that. Let look, alone in California. That's
1: that, that's the one dude that would do that because he's not a former SEAL. He is a CIA spook who trained at BUDS. What? So he, yeah, his best friend. Taylor the other SEAL, character. Yeah. yeah yeah he's a cia spook and it turned i want to say right it's when the show starts he's a contractor freelance but when he and uh the main character meet they are in buds them is a spook and one of them's trying to be a seal and buds is the uh underwater demolition scuba course yeah. that all navy seals have to take and it is basically nine weeks of pure torture nine or 13 weeks of just pure torture as seen in literally every navy seal movie you ever watch yeah. it almost every navy seal movie since 2004 has done their best to hit it perfectly because seals love to talk about butts.
0: well i mean it's no it, and that's that's one of those few times you know it's not like one of those situations like hey i'm CrossFit. It that that's earned i've read about buds training i couldn't do it uh I, I, even if i try like it's one of those things that you get praise for failing like if you even tried to be a navy seal you ring the bell that is not a uh that is not considered failure that is like this is not this is this is that kind of program that is n- meant to weed out the most determined in the in in mm-hmm. the end because it's about it's literally a physical. It's discriminatory when it comes to physical conditioning, and it has to be. These guys are 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 they're they're basically Spartans. That's their job. Is they're supposed to be straight up human killing machines, and so that's what Bud's training does. And I would not have the physical prowess to do it. I I, I would have been. Now I've read Marcus Latrell's Lone Survivor, and it, it I'm just like I went. I thought Coast Guard boot camp hard that was uh i just wouldn't be um mm-hmm. let's see uh so yeah the guns out there uh the way that some of the sequences go like i said i, I felt that the book did a better job so this actually isn't going to be touched on in any of the future episodes from what we've talked about behind the scenes so just bear with me in the book when he's driving home he starts um he the the, the book reads it off in a way like he's walked through the door he's getting ready to walk through the door and the daughter's happy to see him and him and the wife they have a nice evening it's all pleasant and, and and then all of a sudden he's brought into reality when he rounds the corner and there's police cars everywhere and there's caution tape and he tries to run into this to the crime scene and i felt in the book that was a better way to do it because in the book he never actually interacts with his wife and kid when he comes home after the mission he, he they're they're already dead by that point and it's, I guess maybe that was too dark to go that route to, to make it so that, oh, he never got a chance to see his, is And then the other thing I didn't like was in the funeral scene, um, in the book, they actually do the smashing of the, 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 um, I forgot what they were called off the top of my head, the, their, their Navy SEAL trident. pins. Yeah. The trident, they actually do that ceremony for his daughter. And I was not. Please that they cut that out that they decided to just make it a standard funeral i thought that 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 i almost teared up in the book reading that in the book because that is such a special ceremony and the book says yes this was a special ceremony normally reserved for seals fallen in battle but these people were considered at that point the family was considered just as much as as a seal as they were and i think that was a bad mistake to leave that uh that part out or the funeral just kind of more oh yeah it's a regular civilian funeral whatever so that's what uh, that-
2: I, I will say I really enjoyed the the scene where um, post funeral they're talking about all the, the great things that the family did for the other seals though
0: yeah um,
2: that is actually um, there's a TV show called Seal Team uh, it stars David Boreanaz and One of my favorites. I really do feel like this movie slots very nicely into that universe as well. As it stands right <laughs> now for what I've seen. So I, I like that they've got... You know, it's approachable. And it feels like a series that didn't necessarily have to be on streaming. But they chose to put it on streaming. Like it's not like a... a you wouldn't watch it if it was on regular tv like you you know what i mean like you wouldn't watch it if it was on regular tv but you would 100% watch it to throw something on because you wanted something on in the background this isn't one of those shows this is one of those shows that you could 100% have a sit down and watch with people that are actually involved in you know this line of work in this world and yeah we'll we'll point out our continuity errors we'll point out our our pieces like dude you would never talk to an admiral that way yeah uh, yeah that
1: was my that's, other that's, i i put what we did like up, um, but i just did... part about this no this book was jack carr is a former member of like i think seal team three so everything that he writes it's guys like it's coming from what a seal who was a seal would have done if he was in this situation there might be so i like and as somebody who's yelled at at senior officers time and place you can get away with it properly you you can the day after your daughter dies and if the admiral knows you by name based off of your record like the admiral is going to give you that little bit of leeway but Let the show progress. Trust me. Yeah, I
0: I am. That's that's a small nitpick for me. So, how do you guys? How do you guys in the Marine
1: Corps go? Also, like with all the other issues about like the guns and stuff like that. Everything about their kits and everything, it was all actual SEALs consulting for each of the actors to actually tell them like, no, this is why you wear it this way. This is how I wore it in a combat zone. So, like a lot of this show may feel like it's a bad interpretation or you might think it's bad but i i watched it all in a row so it's hard for me to remember any explicit point where i didn't know what was going on because i finished it right but at the same time i know that like a lot of the things that feel inconsistent are actually part of the story that will later be elaborated upon and fixed in a way that like like the way the book seems to start based off what we're talking about in the internal chat it's like a lot of the plot is given away really early and in a book that works because that takes you through an experience but in the show it's like piecemealing the entire plot without giving you any whole resolution in any episode until the very end well yeah and and it ties it up with flashbacks it's really clean no i I,
0: i'm and that's why i wanted to preface again like like the show is still worth watching don't get me wrong i still think the book is a better experience like i said the two sequences that i have the most issue with are the fact that i like that he was daydreaming about coming home and then he rounds the corner and and his world is over i thought that was a watch but like i had that scene in my head how that was going to look on screen and i was mad that that's not what happened and then like I said, them doing the, the pushing of the of the tridents into uh, Lucy's coffin that should have oh, been yeah. I, in there. I
1: did have something for that. I feel like the book that works because you know it's written by a Navy seal and it's about a Navy seal, but in a show, especially with all the modern histor, like the modern warfare shows that are going on, like any show about a seal, it has that coffin scene. And so it kind of just like, you expect it now. Whenever you watch anything about a seal, you kind of expect it. But in the instance of this one, if you were to do that for the daughter, it would kind of downplay it to all the seals that it had it happen, mostly because that scene happens in the first episode and it hasn't exactly sold itself as entirely for seals by seals. And so rather than denigrating the ritual, they just removed it entirely rather than risk denigrating it, I should say.
0: Yeah, I I I don't agree. I think they could have pulled it off and it would have been just as it would have been just as gut wrenched. It probably even more so, because that is a special ritual typically reserved for, for seals fallen in battle. And the fact that they recognize that, okay, dude comes home, loses his wife and kid, you know, their sacrifice is just as valid in a lot of ways. And so that's that's the whole thing, is that they're they're making an exception in that moment and it's very powerful because SEALs, especially when it comes to military tradition, seals do not give that kind of honor to anyone and I think that's why in the book it really drives the point. Like I said, I kind of teared up in the book when I read it because I was just like uh I was like, that is, that is powerful. That is huge. But I got a quick question. In the in the Marine Corps, how do they address generals informally? General? Yeah, see that's, that's what I didn't like because he's calling the Admiral Sir and I'm just like it's Admiral. Admiral well, is the actually, Admiral is the but, informal and formal way you address
1: an Admiral. It's well, it's general. It's general, sir. They don't have, sir, yeah. No, no, the they gender. don't.
0: They don't. Admirals and generals, they don't have gender anymore. They're just admiral and general now.
1: Well, no. So it's it's more in terms of general, sir. Because if you go through the four ranks of general, be my little general, a brigadier, a major, lieutenant, and then actual general. So not every brigadier general likes to be called general because they're like, no, I have four star friends. I didn't rate it yet so you call him sir but you don't know that until you say general sir and then he goes just sir and so there's like that kind of nuance is really according to the person holding the rank like you respect the rank in public every single second of every single day but when it's in private it's a very like case by case basis especially in those kinds of programs like coronado is the home of the seals Yes. and as the home of the seals the admiral in charge like he can talk about motor t he can talk about the boats that come into coronado but he's bragging about his seals and so when his you know star team especially the, the main character he's the star of the stars of the seals in this series and as that person he knows that his like his stack as we call it in the military everything that's on his chest his ribbons and all that they really do carry weight and if an admiral says the wrong thing especially a day after your daughter died then like the admiral is going to be a lot more forgiving to his star child. Very, very possibly
0: in that sequence, but then it, you know, your your entire argument is rendered moot because the congresswoman referenced that incident. It's like, so someone did file paperwork. When's the court martial? Um, well, yeah, no, you lay hands on the, a superior, you're done.
1: That's it. But again, it really it can come down to your position like i've seen people get away with things that they're definitely never supposed to have gotten away with and it's because like trying to
0: manhandle manhandle an admiral
1: i've never seen anybody anybody try to manhandle an admiral but i haven't either spirit of the story it worked in terms of that it's the brotherhood like the admiral knows that he's talking to a father and a widow at the same time like he's a he just lost his daughter and his wife and he is literally the greatest killer america has ever produced yeah like he's a tier one operator yeah but
0: again again if that was the case then he wouldn't have started escalating the situation with we went to bat for you we were gonna stand by blah 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 we did all these things that that's just that just sounds like someone who shouldn't be but but again right right? my 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 question
2: my problem is the end of the season. But again, we only know of the of what happened in that situation from an unreliable narrator. It could have been the Admiral was being very, very, reason like from my perspective, from having only watched the two episodes, mm-hmm. I can sit there going, for all I know, the Admiral was being really reasonable and really friendly, but because this guy is still under some pretty heavy concussion protocol situations, he could have reacted violently and not even realized that he was... You know, being, you know, he thinks he was being honked off by the, by this admiral, but he may not necessarily have been. That's why this playing with an unreliable narrator stuff is very risky because I don't know what to
0: believe. Yeah. Yeah. The show's misdirection and subversion is on point. I I will grant it.
1: And on top of that, that's the thing that I think the show really shows is that the admiral also knows that he's dealing with somebody that has a serious head injury that hasn't been taken properly taken care of and is going through the loss of his like wife and child and is potentially the one responsible but is also potentially telling the truth about everything he's experienced. So this Admiral literally has no baseline with this highly trained, like you said, on Tier One operator. Like in terms of the show doing it properly, I think it really did. I think it really set all these unknowns and then put them in a box. And we saw a relatively accurate explosion that would, like, if once you get to the end, like, that's why I keep saying like, keep going. Because once you get to the end, it's like, oh, there should have been way more and i don't want to get into any details but in terms of that emotional situation is much better explained the the reason why the admiral isn't putting much more than maybe paperwork in on it and that paperwork was just to force the main character into taking leave right so like the way that the the rest of the season progresses and this unreliable narrator it is so fun i love you guys like being frustrated with certain pieces and then like all of me is just like trust me it's not over so i've got what are we introduced to unless they die on screen they almost always come back at the end, or yeah. they have a clearer exit so, throughout the season.
0: So I put what we did like up, and I know I already reached for for this earlier, but I'm just gonna put it up there again. What I did like, of course, was uh, seeing all those M14s on screen was very nice. I I got so excited. Uh, this was one of those shows where I went grab mine and watched the watch most of the show while <laughs> while hanging out with my rifle, because that's how good it is about really getting you interested in. It. This is still a good show. Just because I have scenes that I don't like about the book not being lifted, that is, if that's the worst problem this show has is some scenes just don't resonate with me like they do in the book, oh no. Uh, I It is, uh, yes, I would recommend this. It's a solid six out of seven for me right now um, because it, it does have good pacing. I couldn't believe how quickly the two hours went by watching the show. I, I was just, I was impressed. And so it it does a lot of things right. And I'm in, like I said, guys watching, whether, uh, present or, or on the rewatch or re listen. Um, this is our community, uh, show that we're doing. This is, so if you guys want to start reading the book and want to catch up on terminal list and watch with us, like I said, next week is going to be episode three. Um, yeah. Read uh, read the fan uh, mail, somebody please. Yeah. uh, Ardeny
2: lol that brought the image of pd petting his rifle whispering my precious yeah (laughs) Yeah. you know i mean i I wouldn't put his rifle too close to open flame as as there may be some some words in in uh on them but you know i'm not saying it's one rifle to rule them all Uh, it's an m1a dude
0: this, okay, so let's do some historical talk with the rifle on screen, because that's—I want this to be educational, not just "Hey, look at my gun! I'm so cool." Um, this is this particular gun is the uh, civilian version M1A Springfield. Um, this is basically the grandson of the M1 Grand, which was a six-shot. Um, uh, not not mag clip it was at a six 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 round clip that you would load from the top now you can actually if i took my scope off i could actually top load just like back in the day um then of course came the uh the upgrade so to speak the m14 full auto with a 20 round magazine um, which we used i want to say every time i research this i do get my guns mixed up so i do apologize i want to say it was korea was where they used the m14 a lot um in Vietnam, that's when we came out with the M 16, uh, which most people recognize as an AR 15 civilian version. So yes, uh, this is typically the M 14 is typically the, um, the dress rifle for, for the 21 gun salute that you do see in the show that is actually accurate. That is exactly the gun that they typically go with for those types of salutes. And so there's a lot of history that this platform has and it was one of the reasons why I wanted to get one myself was because of the the historical implications. I mean this thing dates this thing at uh, you know it, it's it's tied all the way back to World War II. Um, it was basically the go-to rifle in World War II. It was considered one of the best performers. Um, the original one in World War II was a 30 uh 3030 is it a 3030 or 30 6? And, uh, yeah, you've probably played this in Medal of Honor, uh, the first Medal of Honor game. It's the gun that you use primarily to storm the beach of Normandy. And that's what a lot of, and, and it was praised for its high accuracy. To this day, however, the M1 is actually used for a lot of sport shooting. It is, it is still considered a very great precision rifle, and that's, that's what I love using it of course. It's good for target practice and, and just... Yeah, like I said, it's cool to have a, a, a something that's linked to history like that, that also fully functions. Um, and, you know, insert deity of choice here willing, I will uh, never have to use it on a person. Yeah. So, yeah, I love seeing all of it. They they got that right. They got the military honors correct with the with uh with using the M14. They got a lot of things right that I was very impressed with with that, like I said, the pacing. I also really liked the last uh the last scene in in episode 2. Like such a great I don't want to give away exactly too much of what happens, but just in the confrontation, such a great anticlimactic way just in like you think it's going to turn into a big old brawl and he just goes nope shoots him in done <laughs> i was like yes thank you finally some realism rnd fan mail says uh or excuse me fan mail from RND says i'm more of an rpg player but i am interested in world war ii history and watched a lot of world war ii movies yes uh so if you have knowledge that probably supersedes mine please feel free to share it i will not be offended i do like to get correct information not be i'm more interested in getting right information not being right. Um so yeah, uh other things that I liked, uh the casting so far has been perfect. Everybody's really got it is is clearly I'm sold on everybody. I, I don't have any criticism for the acting. Everyone's great. Chris Pratt, I think, was a great choice for this role. Um, so to see fan mail from Arindi. My favorite subject though are the planes from that era. P38 Lightning. God, that plane looks good. Yeah, yes, yeah, the plane yep. stuff. Um Quickly to diverge real quick, uh, my favorite sequences in um, Dunkirk were the planes. I could have just done two hours of planes flying around over the English Channel, honestly. That stuff was awesome, especially in IMAX.
2: I I know it's super apocryphal and everything, but I'm a tank guy. And Kelly's Heroes was probably one of my favorite movies, if only because I've met dudes like Oddball and you know it's totally realistic to believe that a, an oddball like that would be given a tank to command cuz that's the kind of screwballs that wound up being a tank commander at that period of time is that
0: uh, is that a similar story to the uh, uh to the Brad Pitt one with the tank one with uh syllable uh, no. I can't remember that name of that movie i no, like
2: that no this one i guess the closest modern movie to it would be three kings Hmm. the basic premise of the movie is there's a whole bunch of gold in a bank in france and the germans are pulling out and they just found like they're pulling out without leaving or leaving the gold so they figure there's this whole bunch of gold there and kelly and his team are like well why don't we just drive in get rich and get the hell out of here and
0: get out of this war yeah and the brad pitt one was fury did you like fury fury was fantastic yeah, okay, yeah. i mean i liked it too but i just was like okay tank guy maybe maybe your opinion's a little bit worth considering uh fan mail from randy whenever i hear chris pratt being mentioned i can't help but think crisp rat cool uh yeah now, <laughs> some some people have funny names just like you know benedict uh Cumberbun or cinnamon bun or whatever and uh
1: uh Dick or
0: or Tiki yeah. Torch White Hickey. Um, yes, yes, yes. Uh, fan mail from Arendi Band of Brothers was good too. Yes, yes. solid. The, we may have to consider doing a watch community right. watch yeah, through right. that next year because that that well, is one of my yeah. favorite series. Is
1: this is maybe around Memorial Day us. or you something? You are a part of the watch. Trail, June 6th, the watch yeah if we do these watch alongs like we're doing with terminalist now and you guys come to have fun with us like and, and be a part of it even if you get to the end like you see me, I already finished it. So like you have the three different steps here. You have Corione who has not read the book at all and he just watched episodes one and two. you have Parker who's read most of the book and he has just watched episodes one of two and I've seen read none of the book yet and I've watched the whole thing and like this is the kind of conversation we want to have around it and we want you guys to be a part of it too so like when we're like this is like the the what we did not like part that's cue for you guys to type in all of your thoughts as well join along and that shows us that we can do this with every other show that already exists and and I mean if we're going to get into a crisp rap binge Parks and Rec (laughs) and I mean like I'm also going to put it out there that
2: us taking the three different tacts, like th- this may be a little bit inside baseball for you guys, but that's not a coincidence. We intentionally do that. So you guys can see the opinion of, you know, us from different perspectives on how we watch through Cause it may be that I will sit there going like, Oh, I don't know about the series. And PD will be like, yeah, but the book, the book was fantastic. You need to check that out. Right. Um, you know so it gives you guys multiple ways of viewing this which we want to prov- uh, provide as well and if you guys even want to organize yourselves and like let us know well i intend to read the book and then get caught up on the series like that's cool too we'd be interested to hear what perspectives you guys want to you know what your perspectives are as well we're absolutely you know you guys are just as much a part of the show as we are the difference is we're just showing our faces on camera where you guys have the awesomeness of the chat at your disposal so
1: yep absolutely
0: absolutely
1: you Um, guys get to actually uh organize your thoughts into complete sentences while we try to piecemeal them together on the spot
0: All right, so I'm excited for the rest of this show uh for the rest of this this, uh, yeah we're definitely gonna be talking about this every week for the next couple of weeks until we finish uh until we finish the season um Moving on real quick since we are uh, almost out of time. Uh, Call of Duty Warzone has been around for a while, and uh, if you've ever touched Warzone, then uh, you probably know that it's not always the greatest or the most fun. Uh, it can be stressful, especially with cheaters, but they've been cracking down a lot on those cheaters. However, we decided to dive into some uh, casual-filled fun over the weekend and. We found ourselves in a game mode that I had no idea was coming, and wow, am I blown away. Battle Royale is one of the latest and greatest in game crazes that still to this day is, is popular. Whether it's Fortnite, whether it's uh, Player unknown Battlegrounds, or Call of Duty Warzone, Battle Royale is here, and it's here to stay. What this did was it was a whole new take on what Battle Royale is and how it functions. Basically, the way it works is you drop in like normal uh, normal Zone, and uh, you... Basically, like Battle Royale, you want to eliminate the other team before the... Now, originally Warzone introduced this concept called Resurgence, or Rebirth, which is where, if you die, you still have a chance to come back, provided your team stays alive within a certain amount of time. And, of course, if you guys get wiped, that's that. This game mode here, Rebirth of the Dead, took that concept and flipped it on its head and introduced a zombie element to it. So two fan crazy things of Battle Royale and zombies get mashed together in just some of the most chaotic fun that I have had in a a game mode in a long time. What happens is you deploy as your squad like normal, and if you get killed, you then redeploy, as you've probably seen on the screen, as a zombie. Now, there's a couple of catches with the zombie. One, the zombie cannot use guns. Two, the zombie doesn't have a parachute, so when you parachute back in, you just smack it on the ground. But you get back up. You do have a couple of zombie abilities to give you an advantage, but basically what you want to do is try to get back into human form. Otherwise, if you get killed as a zombie, you're dead until your team can revive you. But wait, there's more. In the event that your entire team gets wiped, you're not necessarily out of the running. Because in the process, you can see on the right of the screen there, there's a zombie meter. And if a certain amount of zombies get killed, all the spectators automatically redeploy. So even if your entire squad is wiped out, if you have the patience to wait, you can redeploy. John and I played a couple of rounds where we did exactly that. And when we redeployed, we actually ended up winning the match. So this game mode is anyone's game. That said, Corey-O, and this was your first Call of Duty experience. What did you think? Uh, Yeah, I mean, look, uh,
2: the reason why I typically don't play this particular genre of games that much is I'm not too much of a twitchy gamer. I'm more of a, I like to think out and plan my actions a little bit more than the frenzied pace of the game. That being said, I had a lot of fun. And once I finally got into a position where I could use the accurate rifle I picked up, I can't even remember what I picked up, but I know it was a reasonable sniper weapon. I was having a great time picking off people as they came in. Uh, of course, once I got nailed, I got picked off in air on my parachute for, uh, uh, which I guess was a, a not-so-subtle uh, jub- uh, jolt of revenge from uh, the guys I had been picking off. But, you know, I mean, uh, you, you take it as it comes, right? Um, I like the zombie aspect. I found that usually if I was dropped into a place with people... I could, you know, pick up the, the cure pretty quickly and get back to, you know, my favorite part of the game, which was shooting random dudes with whatever random gun I happened to find on the floor. Um, I will say that the shotgun was an absolute lifesaver on multiple occasions. Um, Though I still have to find the bat, because it seemed like you guys had a lot of fun with that bat.
0: I do love the bat.
2: Uh, I gotta ask, can I get my entrenching tool?
0: Uh, yeah.
1: I. it is one of the attacks i want to say it's either black ops or vanguard but there is an entrenching tool oh perfect.
0: yeah the, yeah the, the melee weapons are always a good one. um it's yeah. it's it it's just yeah it's a simple you know call of duty has never been anything for me call of duty peaked with modern warfare 2 not not this new one coming out but the original modern warfare 2 Uh, I thought the story was fantastic and I, I just, I, I, that the whole, uh, the whole Red Dawn theme going through was just amazing. I, I absolutely enjoyed it. Um, so, but that said, Call of Duty gameplay is pretty straightforward. Run around, you shoot, it's first person, whatever. Uh, that's why these types of game modes are fun is because now it's like there's more tactics involved and that's what i like see i'm kind of the i'm kind of in between there i do love a good strategy game um and i do enjoy a, a lot of the games that do require you think but i also do enjoy quick fast turn my brain off shoot him kill him up this yeah. is different because it's a little bit of both because you have to be thinking tactically minded okay here i am coming back to zombie and it's the end of, how am i gonna you know what do we do to win this right and you've got to kind of think out of the box at times because it can get it can get hard. Oh, is this the ending where I picked up the vial at the last second and lost? Uh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. See, it, it's that's just that's the other thing. See, and I love games like this that have a bit more of a random nuance because there's no like, you know, there's there's no, you could be the best player at this game and still lose. And I think that's what I really enjoyed about playing it was it was never a guarantee. You know how good you perform doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna you you have to think of those other uh extenuating circumstances in order to be successful it it takes time and and yeah i, I was surprised with how well john and i played the first couple rounds by ourselves and even all of us playing together was a lot of fun i, I want go ahead john Wait.
1: the first the first round was a walk on w dude <laughs> we figured that one out so fast the first time we played, we we're like all right we're staying with this and then yeah we had a couple losses in between but then we got another w on saturday and oh. like this game isn't so much like there's so many of these battle Royale. i've played almost all of them i tried fortnite when it was first coming out i tried PUBG when it was first coming out and apex i've played a little bit since it came out and when it came out and I've been playing Warzone since Modern Warfare dropped and I don't like Battle Royales mostly because like they almost always scatter you across the map with nothing good to use and it makes it so hard to play solo, let alone like if you can get a halfway decent team but then if you're constantly hot dropping, you're getting walked off and you just get tired of the waiting for the loads and that's what I love about what Warzone's been doing with these resurgent modes the golden plunder regular plunder like they take the battle royale map they take the regular respawn mix it up into the standard battle royale format but more along the lines of that law dominate and you get to just have fun like parker and i while we're playing is like we'll have those periods where we'll just goof off and have whatever conversation we want because we're running across the map to a hot zone, but we know we're probably not gonna get talked to by any of the other players until we get to that hot zone. So we can take some time off while still playing Call of Duty. Well, like we're taking time off in Call of Duty, from Call of Duty and progressing to go do more Call of Duty all in the same game, no load, no pause, no like, oh, I got 30 kills and 80 deaths and I feel terrible about myself. Instead it's like, no, we still got stuff to do we're not looking at any stats we're going to talk about whatever we're talking about on the road to where we're going but that's where we're going and, and it to me that's a new kind of fun i've never experienced with call of duty until we started streaming casual filth. and until we started this one especially this one like parker and i played and I like i usually said i hit hard deadlines trying for, like,
0: to snipe with a shotgun is spot. that even Is that even anyone on our team yeah it was yeah <laughs>
1: Wait, like, uh, was that no, you, like, Corion?
2: It, it probably yeah. was, yeah
0: It is. Now, nah, they it's, don't put slugs in those guns. They're...
1: Yeah, well. But uh, there is. There's a mechanic. You can get the perk for slugs. Oh, you um, can. Oh, okay.
0: Good to know. Yes. I didn't know.
1: Yeah. No, dude, this game. Like, I think the, a lot of people's beef with Call of Duty is that, like, it felt like it was just following in the footsteps of PUBG. But in reality, it feels like PUBG and Fortnite were just the testing grounds for what Warzone was already trying to become eventually. Like, this game really is really fun. My only issue with it is that all of the other games are just new skins for this game and each older game. Like for me, I'm stuck on Warzone. I do own Black Ops, but I don't play it yet until I Damascus all my guns in Warzone or Modern Warfare. But like vanguard is the current one and modern warfare 2 is about to come out and i already feel like i'm three games behind because i still haven't finished warzone and to me that that's like the only thing that like keeps call of duty at like a five out of seven for me like it, it could be a plus if it let my other stuff work you know if it left modern warfare still be fun even though i'm not like playing the current iteration of the current game I'm still playing the other games and I still have to pay $60 for all the new iterations so at least make that $60 go longer is really like my biggest gripe but this is proof that it's gone long like further than any other game it's ever gone I've never found a new game mode in one of my old games and been like wow I'm really happy and surprised I came back (laughs) and till now yeah, yeah, and that's just it.
0: I agree with you. Overall, Warzone is yeah about a five out of seven game, in yeah in retrospect. This game mode, however, I do give a seven. This is this is seven nuanced. A plus. This is a this is this plus. is different. This is a take on two different genres put together, and it works, and it's fun, and it's it's just it's yeah. It's probably going to be taking up casual filth for the next I don't know as long as it's available <laughs> because I I really enjoy.
2: Fair enough. That being all said, uh, I do need you guys to give a um, give a try to stray.
1: That one was really good. H. Marie Dude, wants to that try one looks stray. So fun! It yeah. looks so just.
2: Oh, we've got a mail in here. Uh, you like RPGs too? Uh, yeah, Arden. I run uh, at least one tabletop uh, RPG a week. Uh, when it comes to uh, video game RPGs. Yeah, I-, I tend to run through a lot of them uh, when they come out. Uh, I do have some uh, requirements from an RPG for me. Uh, it has to have plot first. And the plot has to be... Has to have some semblance of sense to it. Um, like, don't get me wrong. I, I You know... Old classic dnd spell jammer, where you're like, you know, a fantasy Conan dude running around in space, flying around on like space dragonflies, fighting dudes in space mollusks and stuff, is cool. And like, is you know, 70s van art come to life? I'm not disagreeing with that, but I'm more of a, I don't know, I would say I, I'm more of a, a, classic Forgotten Realms fantasy kind of player uh or you know I like my sci-fi like I loved the Mass Effect series right until the end um you know that series was fantastic it felt like the things you did mattered uh it felt like the places you went had their own personality um so yeah I, I love good hardcore RPGs
0: yeah I'm a I'm a big fan of uh Oh, Erindy, uh, or fan mail from Erindy says, I've been trying to get into D&D games. Family doesn't really like it. Open groups tend to be ticking time bombs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I only ever played D&D tabletop game once. Um, I've never really got into it. I am looking forward to that movie. That looks like a lot of fun. Um, but uh, I, I do also enjoy a good role-playing game. I love Knights of the Old Republic. I hold that as one of the greatest Star Wars games, the best Star Wars story ever told. It's down. Um, the best thing to ever come from from for the Star Wars universe was code. Um,
2: you know what we could do, guys? Before the D and D movie comes out, if we could get maybe one or two players more we could hold our own version of celebrity dnd as a live stream for a show <laughs> like as a one shot if that is something you guys in the chat would like to see uh you know 100 subs. yeah like you know make it happen you guys 100 subs will be there yeah i'll set it up i will run the game uh you know i've got an idea in mind for a one shot that we could pull off that uh you know i think would be really good i i definitely think i can uh build pd a uh wizard slash you know um you know wizard with a magic missile shotgun that i think he'd appreciate and uh you know
0: we could make something out well, there yeah. so if
2: you guys are really interested
0: this thing actually can have a grenade launcher on the front of it believe it or not i I've, i'd like to get one i can't get any grenades for it but still being able to have it would Uh, All right, we're down to the last uh, couple minutes of the show here. So, gentlemen, uh, why don't you uh, plug away?
2: Well, uh, I'm Corian, Witch in Residence. On Sundays, every Sunday, I do a show talking about the spiritual uh, lessons we can learn from pop culture. And every other Thursday, I host Transmissions from the Rogue Council. Unique, paranormal-style show. That only is online for 72 hours uh, a day, or 72 hours a show, and then it disappears forever, as a rogue council should. Um, So, but definitely come check it out. We get into some of the craziest, coolest weirdness that has ever existed. I talk about some of the very weird stuff I have dealt with. We get into some of the the most esoteric woo-woo stuff that has ever woo-wooed on this side of the internet please come check us out Um, to everyone in the chat that has, you guys know how awesome it is. Keep coming out to them. We love having you there. And yeah, I guess that's the big stuff I'm plugging. Uh, But of course, you know, shout out to Maria with T and telly and uh, you know, Orville nation PJ does an awesome show.
0: Yep. Which uh, Orville nation is actually live right now. Apparently on the renew the Orville challenge after this show, please go check that
2: out. We'll
1: be heading over there. Yeah,
2: let, yeah, yeah. I think we'll all try uh, to, to get in a little bit of a raid, I suppose.
1: Heck yeah. For my plugs, uh, I, I'm going to start a new segment called What I Enjoyed This Week. Um, because it is short on time, I'm going to do two of them. I have been binging the Nate Land podcast. Nate Bergotsi, uh his channel on YouTube. It's the funniest, cleanest comedy I've ever listened to for 24 hours straight and just all like just two hour episodes tons of fun tons of funny and then my all-time favorite podcast right now is middle of somewhere with uh cy amundsen and chatty daddy chad daniels uh this is my boy he is mountain climbing across my desk like a maniac oh and that is what i've enjoyed this week there we go
0: all right well, I do want to thank uh, our viewers that participated today. You guys are what helps uh, make this place awesome, and of course, our uh, podcast listeners we appreciate you guys taking the time to download and spread the word. Please, guys, it, it's—I I know it's a cliche, you know—I thought it, We tried some nuance with the whole obligatory like and subscribe, uh, but really, we are serious about trying to grow and, and make this a full-time commitment. We want to keep adding more shows and adding more content and the sooner we can monetize the sooner we can start making that happen and actually grow twb into its own uh fully uh competitive channel with actual table and stuff um we want to bring more content to you guys and more shows and more not just gaming stuff but we've got some cooking channel ideas or cooking show ideas we've got lots of stuff that we want to do it's just hard to find the time right now so um thanks for watching again. My name's Pete York of the Ryder Brothers. We will see you guys again next week.